The military doesn't do enough for my finances. The military doesn't educate me. Why don't I know more about TSP? And I'm like, buddy, the entire world of information already exists. Literally all of it. You are choosing not to go get it. We're deferring the blame. The military didn't prep me to transition. I'm like, what did you do to transition? You didn't take ownership. Go find the information. There's really good information. The military doesn't make it easy, but it's out there. Is that much of a, is that's not much of a change for you, right? My name is Kerry Kite. I used to load bombs in the Air Force, and now I'm a writer, a filmmaker, and an entrepreneur. Through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 67 features Marine Corps EOD tech, Jaime Giardo, who runs the Financial Enabler, where he empowers service members and veterans to gain financial literacy and independence. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. All right. We are live this morning, 30 minutes late. Apologies for the technical difficulties, but uh, appreciate your your flexibility. Um, I'm here with uh, the financial enabler. Welcome to Veteran Made. Hey, how's it going, man? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so uh, thanks much for joining. Um, very excited to have this discussion for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, definitely want to hear what it's like to build a business as a content creator while you're still in the military. I think it's something that a lot of our, our listeners want to hear about. And then something that, that I've talked a little bit about and been a little vulnerable about and will continue to get more vulnerable as I speak to you and some other experts in, in the field, but that's, you know, finances. And, and that's a huge part of our transition out of the military. It's a huge part of our continued transition as we are out of the military and continue to operate with some of those benefits that we have. And it's um, not something I've done particularly well. And I know there's a lot of other folks that are in that boat as well. So um, excited to, to dig deep and, and have, uh, have an uncomfortable conversation maybe in some parts, but, but excited to have it nonetheless. So thanks for joining. And, and if you don't mind just giving folks a bit of a primer on, on kind of who you are at a, at a top level, high level, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Jaime Gallardo, um, I'm a Marine EOD tech. I currently teach at the Defense Nuclear Weapons School. Uh, I've spent most of my time as an EOD tech. Uh, before that, I, w- I used to fix trucks. It was terrible. If you joined to do that job and you love it, more power to you is not my jam. I, not, not, not my thing. Um, and I've had a really good run. I spent most of my time in Marsoc. I've tried doing some hard things and didn't make it in some hard places. Uh, and led me to this path, uh, especially after some loss, you know, in my second divorce. And I wanted to do something good. I needed to find a, a, a focus or something to create an impact on people, which led me to the financial enabler and then helping people with finances, which has been a, an incredible, incredible run. Yeah, that's I would say that's the top level of it yeah. all. Great. What So what was the initial spark for you where you discovered that you had a knack for or an interest in finances, personal finance and, and the like. So I think the first thing that struck me was when I was very young, um, I used to use my credit card to buy things for my roommates because they didn't have the credit. So I realized that I could manage money. I could manage other people's money uh, and respectfully, right? I, I don't, I don't manage money now, but I could handle it well. Then it really hit me on my divorce. Uh, my ex, when we got divorced, she's an incredible woman, but she left with just her paycheck and some money I gave her. And I realized I've been trying to help you with your TSP. I've been trying to help you with your savings. I've been trying to help you invest. Uh, we bought this house together and she couldn't go buy a second house. So I realized there was a lot that I knew that I was not able to pass on to her that now I realized if, if she's a, a, an officer and she doesn't know this, what does the rest of our service members not know? And then I realized also there's always this conversation. I was like, do this, do this, do, or let's say stocks, crypto, whatever. People talk about it. And most service members focus on real estate. And I'm like, that's great. But what about everything else? And that's kind of when I realized I'm in tune with the other things. I've made mistakes in real estate. I've made mistakes in crypto and stocks. And now I want to pass all that on. So the major catalyst was being young, doing things well, my ex, and then seeing the disparity between the knowledge in our small groups and what I knew. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's very overwhelming, I think, for a lot of people. There's all these different categories within personal finance, within finance in general, that make it very overwhelming and feels like mm-hmm. there's this um, high, you know, barrier to entry or or something that precludes those of us that don't have a finance degree or aren't accountants um, uh, to, to, to really understand. And it's also interesting, a lot of entrepreneurs get started with their businesses by solving a problem for themselves first and then going to solve it for other people and scaling that way. But you have an interesting genesis to your story where you actually realized that you could have helped somebody else a little bit better and, and didn't. And so then you kind of wanted to to um, then expand that and 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 help help other people, and you and I were talking a little bit offline before before we got started. It's interesting the finance and like financial management and emotional management are just so closely linked and so closely aligned because we feel the things that we feel about money. Maybe some of us don't come from means. Maybe some of us do come from means, and you know didn't get the quote unquote help or or didn't get the coaching or didn't get these things. Can you talk a little bit about how important it is to be emotionally vulnerable with yourself and then with with others in order to put yourself in a position to to start to have these conversations and start to to move in this space? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you bring in emotions into this conversation because obviously it's a subject. It's almost like we can go 20 years in the military and never talk about emotions. Right. And so many guys do it. So emotions is incredibly important in the world of finance and success. And I'll uh, have you ever heard of the book Think and Grow Rich? Mm -hmm. So the book Think and Grow Rich. Short version is a book about having positive emotions about creating success and wealth, right? So while all the wealthy people are talking about this, and I've talked about this with a lot of people, you right now, you and I can go to YouTube and sign look at positive mindset or being uh, feeling good and go figure all these wealthy people talk about it. But then those of us that are not incredibly wealthy, look at those videos and those podcasts and uh, TV shows, whatever. And we're like, that's just mumbo jumbo. I don't need that. Right. But then you see it in our side. We have so many emotions tied to pain, tied to lack, tied to frustration or, or even embarrassment. It was like, I'm not going to talk about TSP because I've made all these mistakes. So I'm an idiot. Or I'm not going to move my money because I'm tied to this place. And then it all goes back, you know, like I, I don't want to go into like, a, it's not the fact that like psychology, like, oh, you got hurt when you were kids. But there's all these things that our parents did or did not do that create a mark. Let's say if somebody says money doesn't grow on trees, well, it literally doesn't, but. When, why do the wealthy say that it basically does? So now you're tied into that emotion that I'll never have enough, right? So to me, I try to, when I talk to people, we have to break negative emotions and add more positive emotions into it. And like something simple that I do, uh, and I even put in my meme, it was like, you can't get wealthy in the military. There you go. That's a positive thought. Go ahead, challenge it. And then you, people try to challenge it, but then I'm like, look at all these other guys. They're rolling in money and they're service members. They're not even special people. They're just average guys that have done incredible things. So I, emotions is huge. Uh, and that's like uh, the book, Psychology of Money. It's like, what emotions do you attach with your kids, with your family? Uh, and, and every time that you tell your kid, no, you can't have this, what marks is it leaving? And, and, uh, like, you know, and kids is so interesting, right? When we tell them, no, you cannot have this, they think, oh, maybe... Maybe we're putting something like dad doesn't can't do it or mom can't do it. So we have to break those things. And again, our parents did amazing. You know, we are now we're talking about it. I default to thinking that anybody in our life did the best they could, regardless of what this outcome was. They that, That's all they knew, right? So we got to do better than them. So yeah, I'm really glad you brought up emotion because I try to bring a lot of positive thought, a lot of uh, gratefulness with and, and thinking in abundance, right, right? Versus lack and pain tied to money. Yeah. So, um, when, when you first had that thought and that discovery of, okay, I've got an act for it, could have done better through this divorce. When did you action that and turn it into, um, uh, the Instagram page? Uh, I would say, so I got divorce was final in December, uh, of 2021. I started contact. Well, it was, a uh, the divorce took a little longer than what I wanted it to, uh, or she wanted it to, I don't know. It was weird. Um, but 
Divorce is weird. That's fair. Yeah. Whatever was <laughs> final, I had already started reaching out to a few pages, Constellation Group, uh, which is Seamus Flynn, the, the Marine First Sergeant, and Killzone, uh, Major Schooneman. And I'm like, hey, I have this idea. What do you guys think? And I think I launched the page like in February or March of 2021. Uh, no, 2022. And that was that was it. So it was a pretty quick transition. I remember it all came to me running, you know, because I was like, I remember like, uh, I love running. I love rocking. Uh, and I was like, I was running and I was like, why am I doing this? I was like, I didn't have a reason to do it anymore. So that's why I realized I needed to start finding a reason to do this, which led me to asking these guys and launching the page. So it was a pretty quick from divorce to inception. What, um, had you served with those two guys? How did you know them? So it was all because on Instagram, I saw them, they seem reputable, uh, on, on social media. So while major shoot, uh, sorry, I do not know major. I've met major shoot after the fact I've never served with him. And then, uh, uh, Seamus Flynn, we we had just I, we're at Marsock at the same time. We knew a lot of the same people. We had chatted over Instagram, and to me, the regardless of who they are in the military, which I think they're reputable service members, they carry themselves very positively in the social media side. So I reached out to them as, as experts in this field, right? Uh, and from there, you kind of see it now. Like, uh, and I, I spoke about it with the ones ready guys. Is that I know there's somebody that is looking at this podcast thinking, I'm is an idiot, right? That's fine. But I am trying to portray myself in the most positive way in the in, in time my positive service, right? Regardless of what people think. So in the social media side, these guys are experts. So that's why I reach out to them. Yeah, I think it's, I don't, uh, I don't uh, know Tom, uh, Major Schumann very well. I've, I've had a, a couple of people on as guests who have, Worked with him, worked for him. Um, uh, one of the guys who co-wrote, uh, the writer who co-wrote his his book last yeah. year um, was on the podcast and, and we've interacted a few times on some PB Abate things and some Dead Reckoning Collective things. I don't, I don't know him super well. Um, but I think it's really important to highlight that as we're talking about emotions and positivity, one thing that our community does not do very well is treat each other well on Instagram and treat each other well on the internet. And so yeah. I always want to highlight these positive interactions and not just positive interactions that aren't negative, but positive interactions that lead to the creation of mm -hmm. something else as an opportunity to engage more service members and more veterans in um, positive like information as well as positive narratives because mm -hmm. We don't have enough of that. We have so much negativity that we encounter mm -hmm. in the space when we get on Instagram and we get online. And then it's also, we're all here to help each other and not compete with each other. And so mm -hmm. building relationships as a way to supplement and highlight what each other are doing to send people who are looking for financial information from my page. Maybe they're, maybe they come across one of my reels because they're coming across something else that they're interested in, but they don't really realize that you are a guest or were a guest or whatever it might be. And then I can send them to your page and they're actually going to be much more interested in financial development versus like personal development and, you know, transition development, all that stuff. That's great. Like we're here to help each other. And it's just not something that we really hear enough of, I don't think. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is huge. And um, I like, um, there's this page called Balance Your Grit. You should have her on the podcast. She, have you seen her? No, she's legit. She uh, major. I think she's a major now, Sydney Jacks. So she was a she's a ranger, and she gets a lot of grief on social media, right? Obviously, because there's men that you know. I like to think it's like men with men with small egos complain about a woman that's a ranger. It's like, shut up, bro. You should have done it, right? Whatever. So, and I see it like people are trying to, and I'm sure it happens to you. People message you with some negative interaction, and I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, who hurt you? Right. Yeah. So I interact with them because they don't realize your interaction helps my page. You can, I, especially the more insulting they are, the better it is for me because I'm like, great, I'm going to talk to you for days. Let's do yeah. this. But then like, I've realized that those of us that are not in that, in that game of insulting and or, or bringing people down, we're like trying to bring each other up as much as possible. And it's like I like you said, if I every time that somebody reaches out, it's like, let's say I want to join the Air Force and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, go to one's ready. Or I want to do 
whatever. I was like, go to this guy. I mean, yep. I have a question about whatever, go to this guy. So we've connected this network of the information domain that we try to help each other out and we want to bring each other up. Like, you know, for, for me, it's a uh, huge to be in this podcast with you. And in my mind, I'm like, I hope your podcast gets to a million viewers unless you haven't already, because let's, we got to support each other. We got to support these journeys and there's not enough service members doing it. And funny story with that is the seals. How have the SEALs have created such an incredible media machine and they're widely recognizable? Nobody else does that. Are they wrong for doing it? Many, we, we could argue that a lot of them have done it the wrong way, but that machine is incredible and we need to get it with it and support each other to, to create the same thing with all the other services, you know? Yeah, I'm glad you bring that example up because I people complain about SEALs all the time. Um, and I'm like, well, they, they support each other. <laughs> they, you never hear them talking shit about each other. And when you do, it's big news, you know, because yeah. because it just like almost never happens. You know, it, it's yeah. it's it's an interesting thing. But yeah, I mean, we also it's also another opportunity for us to, um, you know, model good behavior as well as not just interacting with somebody because it helps the page, but also interacting with somebody because they probably do that on a lot of other pages and then catch a lot of grief and shit back from those people. But if I can give somebody a positive interaction when they came in looking for a negative interaction, it at least gives them the opportunity to turn that around and say, Oh wow, I actually don't have to be negative because this guy's just a guy with a microphone sitting at his kitchen counter at the end of the day. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You got verbal judo, their bad energy into good energy. We actually care about you. You know, you don't need to come and fight here. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly awesome. right. So what was the process like for you to to start the Instagram page and to begin creating content? And your content's high quality. You've got like a psych background. You've got different colors. You've got good sound. You've got good lights. You've got like all, all the great stuff. Your memes are funny. Like what, what was it like for you to build that? And, and then what was it like for you to build it while you were serving um, yeah. and teaching, it sounds like? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I started it all while teaching here. Um, so to me, I'm going to be honest, I pay for my audio and my video. I pay for all that because to me, it was more valuable to save my time. I don't want to cut podcasts. I don't want to cut reels. I just want to show somewhere, record, leave, but it's still my thought, my, my planning, right? So what I would say for any entrepreneur, it really comes down to action, right? And, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna throw a shout out now that he needs it, but Alex Hermosi, right? Look at his page. This guy just does it. If you just get up and you just do it, launch a crappy podcast, launch some crappy reels and just do it and be consistent. Just do it, do it, do it, do it. Eventually, you're going to either have the courage to commit money or the courage to find the skill, right? Or commit the time for the skill. Once we're able to do that, then the page just gets better and better and better and better and better and better and better. But we have to start, right? Uh, So to me, it was a lot of, I decided, I was like, okay, I need to just do it. And my first, if you go scroll the way back, my reels are not that great, right? Uh, my memes are funny, but because I, I'm well in tune with some young guys, and I, I always joke, is like, I write to one of my best friends, I'm like, you're my chief meme officer, yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, what do I do? What do you think? These good? These hit with the, these hit with the kids? And they're like, yeah. So yeah. I, I reach out to them because I realize I'm not the expert. So this is what's funny in the world of entrepreneurship is that people try to build their their kingdom alone, right? And people try to build greatness alone. But if we take a step back and you look at the service members, I'm like, hmm, we've dedicated our whole life with pride of our one job. And you depended on an expert to do something else. So why not do that in the world of entrepreneurship, right? I realize I know a ton about money. I know zero about video. So why would I do it? So either I got to, commit to somebody else or ask for help, right? And same, that's what it comes to me with finance. I get a lot of kids that reach out to me and they they act like they know a lot. And I'm like, do you know a lot or you think you know a lot? So you're not an expert. I'm not saying I'm a bona fide expert, but I know a little more than you. So let me help you out, right? So what I would say for every young entrepreneur is that you need to start. One is start. Two, develop the skill or find somebody that knows how to do it, right? Like uh, there's this page, uh, my first finance book. I talked to that guy a ton. He's doing his page on his own. I am paying for my, my, my website. I don't have the time. So what do you do, right? But uh, then the world of entrepreneurship is just so much 
fun and it's so challenging that I would tell anybody, if you have just a tiny idea, if you're like, I can make this pen 10% better, I'm like, do it. Just just go and do it. It's going to be worth it, right? And it's so much, we, we start now talking with other entrepreneurs and it's just so much better. Yeah. And I'm really glad you, br- you bring that point up where you either need to develop the skill or, and I think you said, have the courage to, to put some cash forward. I don't know exactly how you said it. Like those, yeah, or pay for it. Like those, those are the two things, right? I think another thing that gets very overwhelming for people who have an idea, people are entrepreneurs who want to start something is you do feel like you have to do every little thing yourself because we worship the grind, right? Like Gary V is the best example. Uh, you know, and I work in advertising as my day job. So I, you know, see and hear Vayner all the time. And like people just have no idea that Gary has a, a team of 15 content creators that follow him everywhere. He's got multiple cameras. He's got multiple editors. They're all motion graphics designers. They all do these things. And that's why he's able to churn out the daily minute by minute, hour by hour content. And same thing with some of these other guys. Um, you know, Hermosi's the same way, you know, um, uh, Chris Williamson, the same way. Like they don't have as many people and they're not like walking around like Gary is, but you don't have to do everything. You just have to be able to compartmentalize the things that you can do with the things that you should do and then manage your finances well enough. If you're going to pay for something, it should only, you should only be paying for something that you can afford. You shouldn't be paying. So like for me, for this podcast, I pay somebody to edit the reels and do all the motion graphics monthly for me. And that's where I drew the line. Everything else I do because I have the skills, I've built the skills and I have the time to do that. And I get value out of writing the copy and creating the designs and do all that stuff. It feeds other aspects of this business that I'm building that people don't really know about right now. And I drew the line at editing the reels. So he does that for me. So that's out of sight, out of mind. We interact on the timeline that we interact on. And then I do everything else and everything comes together every week. But I determined I was able to afford that and that I wanted to do all those other things. So I think it's a really important piece for people to remember that you need to choose. And really at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is being a decision maker. Mm-hmm. 100%. And to, to that point, uh, which I totally agree, you got to be fiscally sound uh, with your decision. Um, but there's, and to, to add to that, there's a point of courage. Right. Like, uh, you know, you've heard Hormo- Hormozzi's story, negative, almost hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, I'm doing it. And then he was making a few million a few months later. So that it, it took courage. Right. And most successful entrepreneurs had that moment of, man, I'm about to go bankrupt or I'm not going to get out of this. And, and they had the courage to get through it. So it's very funny to me why these people talk about courage in the business space. But among service members, we talk about courage about business and people try to downplay it. I'm like, listen, man, at the end of the day, the courage to take over, uh, to go go to war and get out, the courage to take that leap is very similar. It's just directed differently. So use the same exact skills that you have to take this leap for your family. Because now you're not doing it for the bros. Now you're doing this for your family, for your well-being. So if you commit that, then it's going to be totally fine. Uh, and that's why I'm a big believer of taking that leap. And l- like you said, you drew that line, but you were like, that's it. I can do this. And you you launched it. And that's awesome, right? Like, I sometimes wonder if I'm paying too much, but, uh, you know, that's what we talk to entrepreneurs and you, and, you, and you figure it out, right? You're like, okay, maybe it's too much. Okay, dial it back and constantly reassess. And to that Hormozzi, to the Gary Vee and Hormozzi, right? I was just listening to a podcast with Hormozzi today. He paid, a, he paid a guy to go find a marketing business and he ended up having that book launch with 500,000 people. That's just allocation. He realized that that was beyond his skill set, right? And that it takes a lot of uh, understanding and knowing yourself to, to find that, that help. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it, it's funny you brought that other example up as well of like wondering whether something is too much or not. So I was using a vendor that I did ultimately decide was too much money for me to be spending once I reached a certain point, like this person was doing everything for me. And it was really helpful to get me started because it took a lot of courage for me to start this podcast because I did episode one with a family friend. And then nine weeks later, I did episode two. And then six weeks later, I did episode three. And then four weeks later, I did episode four. And it took me just, it took some courage and kind of guts for me to push through and start doing weekly episodes. And 
that was helpful up to a certain point for me to have that vendor that I was spending a certain amount of money on. And then I have somebody that I work with kind of regularly and I'm like, you know, I bet he could do this a lot quicker and actually probably a lot cheaper. He could use extra cash. I could probably pay him half of what I'm paying them and it would take him a quarter of the time that it was taking them. So I would feel good about the compensation I'm giving him. And sure enough, I ran it by him. I'm like, hey man, would you want this? He's like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll knock that out for you. No problem. So I was able to like, okay, cool. Let me have my expenses, get a better output actually from this person and then just keep things moving. And I didn't judge myself for that money spent up until that point because I needed to. Now I stopped and it it's worked out. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm, I'm constantly juggling that, like how much I'm paying for the, you know, I think the reels are worth every cent so far, but you know, you got to constantly reassess, right? And I, I'm, I'm debating on buying my own camera, my own audio system, uh, because maybe I could just find somebody to edit the podcast, right? And right. that's that's okay, right? But it's a constant juggle, and that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. You got to constantly improve upon the what you're doing. Yeah, and all those decisions that you're making, those micro decisions that you're make, making, are training for the other decisions that you're going to be making at scale, right? And so. That's one of the benefits of it. Oh, there's, yeah. there's our weekly cameo from the little barking. Mini. Yeah, hey. I love it. I love it. Enough. I actually have four dogs right now because my girlfriend is a crazy dog lady and she has three dogs. I hope she hears this. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout, yeah. Shout out. Shout out to her. I, I kept the uh, blinds closed and it still uh, still didn't do anything, but mm. uh, <laughs> we're all good. All right. Yeah. So um, segueing into the, the meat of the content that, that you put out there. I'd, I'd love to hear, like, what were the basics that you started with that you said, all right, here's what service members need to know. Here's what veterans need to know. Here's what I want to start putting out there. And then how have you kind of built it since yeah. to be, to have kind of more content out there, if that makes sense. So uh, for me, the basis of, of everything that I do is what do service members lack, right? So to me, it all starts with, uh, I try to find the pain points first, right? So I was like, okay, real estate is a pain point. I don't talk a lot about real estate because in a way I'm trying to downplay it. I'm trying to downplay it because everybody's talking about real estate. Like, it's so funny. I posted something from Sid and Steer Coast today that he's highlighting how real estate agents are not going to pay us much. And then people start reaching out to me. It's like, how do I get into real estate? I'm like, did you not read the article that says you're going to get paid less? Like, why do you guys think this is the only thing? So I try to find the pain points. So I downplay real estate. I focus on TSP and I bash Navy, Fed, and USA because right now they're not the best bank. They are great, but just right now. So to me, it all revolves about where are they lacking? So for example, I find the insurance space is a huge gap, right? And every time I talk to somebody about insurance and I show them what it would look like, they're like, I asked him, I was like, would it, be, would it have been better for you to get it now or for you to get it 10 years ago? And they're like, I should have gotten it 10 years ago. And I'm like, why did he not know that? Why do I not know that, right? So I try to address that and I try to address everything leading up to all, to all those points. So I've said it in a bunch of podcasts and I'm gonna give you my basic framework for explaining finances for service members. Your stocks are like the infantry. Not all of it is gonna make it. Your Roth accounts are like, the special operations. They do very similar, but they're slightly special, slightly different. Real estate is like fires. Uh, term insurance is like a medevac. Permanent life insurance is a medevac with a QRF. And your savings accounts is the logistics. So then I would ask you, would you go to war with just two of those? <laughs> no. No, right? So with that framework, I try to address it all. So for me, I try to find what's trending at the moment, and I try to highlight those pain points. Obviously, debt is a whole different problem, but if we see those as major asset classes and we start tackling each one, we're going to be able to build wealth relatively quick, right? So, uh, like, I just spoke with some sub-two guys. These people are buying houses at a cyclic rate, and I'm like, would you be interested in buying all these houses at a 0% interest rate? And they're like, yeah, how do I do that? And I'm like, life insurance. Or why not leverage a margin loan on a stocks? And they're like, what is that? So I try to find what's lacking and I try to address all those spaces slowly. But it's always funny. People want me to go super deep and I'm like, yeah, but then you're not going to watch the reel. So I got <laughs> to get you really quick and have you reach out to me to then go deep on it, right? 
Yeah. And how, how often, how do you, how overwhelmed do you find people are when they initially speak to you? And what are some of the things that you do to kind of mitigate that overwhelm? Um, I don't, I, I actually, this is funny. I don't see a lot of people that are overwhelmed. Really? I genuinely think that most people that are overwhelmed haven't found the courage for ask for help. Mm. So I've dealt with, I would say three people that had a lot of debt. Only one of them decided to do something about it. And I was like, why? I normally get uh, the people that I normally talk to are doing okay. They're just hungry to learn. Mm. To me, it's fascinating that it's like, it's obviously these people want to improve, but people haven't realized how bad they are. Right? Uh, I was talking to a kid and he is stressing out about having to replace his two headlights. And he's like, yeah, man, I, it's 60 bucks. And I'm like, that's not a lot of money, buddy. You should not be stressing about 60 bucks. That is not a concern. So the fact that we're addressing it is great, but it really shows that I still have to find a way to convince people that you are doing, you are not doing well and there is help out there. And I want to help. Right. So that it, it's incredible. It's super interesting to me that the, the overwhelm is not quite there. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. Because I think, and I've experienced that, you know, recently in, in my life where kind of like once you address some of the, once you address the issues, you, like you said, you have the courage to kind of like look at the issues that, that are in place. And, and once you're, once you look them square in the face, mm-hmm. then you, that, I've never, I never felt better. Like I'm, I'm more financially sound now than I was to, I, I should say we, my wife and I really think about this as a team, but it's like, we are more financially sound than we were two and a half years ago, right before we bought our first house. And we were only in a position to buy our first house because we just looked at everything and we were like, we've got a fucking problem here. Yeah. And like, we really need to lay everything flat and, and find what are the resources and we're much more financially sound now than at that point. I never, I have still haven't felt as good as I felt at that point when I had that realization and we said those words out loud and had the courage to be like, yep, we got to fix this. That felt a lot better than, than how financially sound I feel right now, which I find to be an interesting kind of corollary to what you're saying is because like once, once, once you, once you face it, you're not overwhelmed. You're just like, Oh, okay. There are, there's a path. There are, yeah. there are things to do here and I just chunk them out and do them. Yeah. And, and the, the reality is that the only time that I've ever truly felt somebody was in a lot of debt was a kid with $70,000 in credit card debt. <laughs> and I was like, do you think this is a lot of debt? And I'm like, he's like, yes. I'm like, what are you gonna do about it? I was like, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, I mean, it's not working. So I, I find that we addressing that is is huge. And I just thought of this. It's interesting because nobody is like I, I see finances like like a, a relationship. Are you are you a father? Uh, I am, yeah. We have a three and a half year old daughter. I'm willing to bet that if I walked into your house without knowing you, like and I walk in, I said, Carrie, you're doing parenting wrong. You would probably be like, get the fuck out of my house. Right? At the same time, if I walk in and I'm like, Carrie, you're doing your finances wrong, it's going to hurt our ego, right? Or hurt something. But we look at the military, I always remember every time that I shot and I did it wrong, I got berated. Or if I did EOD work wrong, I got beat up or whatever. But in that space, we were okay taking those hits and deciding to improve on it. So it's like it truly comes down to acceptance on us realizing that we got to improve on it, right? Because then if you tell me, uh, Jaime, what do you think about my finances? I'm not going to beat it up because that doesn't work. But if I like look at it, I was like, cool, it's, you're terrible or we need to improve on it. Then you're at least accepting of what, what change will come, right? Every time that we went to the range and we shot bad, we knew somebody was going to call us out. There's no questions. In, in the military, you know every single action you do wrong, someone's going to call you out. But why don't we do that in, the, in our personal life? It's so interesting to me how like we are so protected in our personal, uh, mental, financial spaces, you know? 
Yeah, I actually, I'm glad you said that because I, I thought of a version of it when you were speaking earlier, when you were talking about the courage to deploy is the same courage to get out. And I think, um, and you brought up a good point that you're, it's not just serving with the boys and the guys to the left and right of you. Now you're doing this for your family and you're doing it for yourself. And one thing that we talk about on the podcast a lot is the infrastructure that's put in place in the military is very helpful and necessary for the military to function the way that it needs to function. Mm -hmm. But that's the biggest hindrance to succeeding outside of the military because the military is great at indoctrinating you into it. It is very, very poor at setting you up for success, whether as a retiree or as somebody who's separating before their retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that. Why would they engage additional resources to not help the fleet or not help the army or not help the air? Like that, that's not what they're here to do They're And people get mad at me when I say this, but I say it all the time. It's not the military's job to prepare you for the civilian world. It is your job to prepare yeah. yourself using the skills that you developed in the military and figuring out how to translate them into the civilian world. And that's not just true of job skills. It's true of, the, of, of mental skills, emotional skills, financial skills. Dude, 100%. I love you said that because I'm, 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 I haven't gone aggressive on this just yet. But like you said, every single time that you see the sentence, the military doesn't do enough for my finances. The military doesn't educate me in finances. Why don't I know more about TSP? Why don't I know about this? And I'm like, buddy, the entire world of information already exists. Literally all of it. You are choosing not to go get it. But at the same time, if I send you to a special operations unit, I put 20 bucks, you'll figure out the best gear. I'll put 20 bucks, you're going to get a lesson in shooting. I put 20 bucks that if you ever go to free fall, you're going to try to improve jumping. And you and we get people that like, you know, they get fitness programs, bodybuilding programs. And I'm like, what about your money? Right? But they wanna it's to me, it's like uh we're deferring the blame. Yeah. We're deferring the the military didn't prep me to transition. I'm like, what did you do to transition? Right. And I'll I'll use this example with my girlfriend. I have a huge problem with this. My girlfriend was in the guard, uh, she got out, she works in the in the Department of Energy now, and she's been out for two years and she hasn't done her VA claim. And she said at one point, the military, when I went to TRS, it was for guard people deploying. And it wasn't for people getting out. And I'm like, but what did and your dad, your dad was at E9. Why do you not know about this? So you didn't take ownership. She is now and she realizes it. But like, it's that point of like, I need to take ownership. I need to go find the information that everything changes. And you realize there's actually really good information. The military doesn't make it easy, but it's out there, you know? Yeah. I, and, and listen, th- there's there's freedom in in understanding that you're the one responsible for putting all of these pieces together because yeah. do you really want the federal government to be the one who's putting all these pieces together for you? You know, like in one breath, we'll complain about the military not doing enough for us. And the next breath will complain about the, you know, withdrawal from Afghanistan being as shitty as it was. And it was, I don't want those people making decisions for me. I want to make decisions for myself and you need to take some responsibility and need to look back. And so I got told my wife the other day, we were driving home from family wedding back in Ohio, driving back to Virginia. And I told her I was interviewing you and I was like, I'm like, I'm a little, I'm excited and I'm nervous because, you know, like really at the end of the day, I've, I've, I've been out for, I just, oh, wow, this week or last week as of this recording was my 13th, 14th year out. And it's like, I've been out for 14 years and I've made a ton of mistakes, you know, financial mistakes and other mistakes. And now I'm like kind of finally here. And it's like, oh, shucks at 35 years old. Like I'm only finally putting these pieces together. And she's like, they weren't mistakes. She's they may, they may be mistakes. She goes, but, but now you're taking responsibility and now you're looking at this and now you're doing the things that you need to do. You know, and she's read all the same books that you've read and like really enjoys this stuff. And she's like, there's plenty, plenty of stories of people who have figured out how to, how to turn these things around at this time. And so there's a ton of freedom in taking responsibility. I just want to highlight that for people. Take responsibility, look the, the look reality squarely in the face. And once you do that, you will have a weight lifted and then the rest of the weight you can just chunk off. Yeah. And, and 
dude, that that's huge because uh, and I'll say you're doing awesome because in the world of of, of finances, 35 is young, right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. like it's whatever, right? You'll be fine. Right. And I just realized this. I never correlated this. The last time that the military made personal financial decisions for us, we got screwed, which yeah. was the bank we got given in boot camp and the G fund in TSP or life cycle fund in TSP. So they were like, this is the best we can do for you. And we got screwed over. And it's like, now you want to continue to ask them to make those decisions for you? No. Like if I had a choice, I would go to boot camp. If I went to boot camp right now and I put all those kids in SoFi, guaranteed they would all be wealthier. Guaranteed. No question in my mind. Yes. This is math. But they're still deferring the blame. So that that's awesome that you you guys have had that uh, realization. And maybe I should have a podcast with your wife because she sounds super cool. Which yes, I'll say yes. with you. And I'll, I'll, because you, you brought it up. Not enough couples are choosing to do finances as a team. So often I schedule a meeting with somebody and it's just a guy. And I'm like, where's your wife? She's like feeding the baby, blah, blah, blah. She's out there, whatever. And I was like, dude, this is a team sport. And I don't care how better, how much better you get at it. If you don't get her on board, you're screwed. And case in point, I look back on my own relationship. I couldn't, I was not able to convince my ex to get better financially. And I think I'm really good with finances. So little less somebody that knows nothing about it. So you have to get your, your spouse on board. You know, I'm sure that you have to get on board with an entrepreneurship venture. We're praying a lot. We get them on board. It's like, hey, babe, I'm going to go do this really dangerous job. I'm on board. Why wouldn't we do this together? You know, it's, it's, it's just crazy how the disparities and things in life when it should all be very similar, you know? Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with what we talked about up front, which is you, you carry a lot of this stuff with you from, you know, from, from your childhood. And, 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 and again, not, not like you said, same disclaimer. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist and it's not like, Oh, you know, this wound is what's causing you to make these. It's just generally speaking, you know, finances are not things. And we talk about this in the public school system, right? Like kids don't learn how to balance checkbooks. Kids don't really learn the differences between different accounts. People, you know, like I didn't even realize what a high yield savings account was until two years ago, until my wife, you know, like brought it up and was like, Hey, we need to talk about this, you know? And, and, and the, the, it is worth pushing. It's always worth pushing through discomfort to get better. Yeah. Which is just like the military. Yes. Every single thing, all the the best things about the military is exactly what makes so many Marines leaders in Fortune 500 companies. It's not because they're Marines. It's because discomfort, disciplined, uh, working through it, problem solving, planning. Apply that in your personal life and you're going to be excellent. Yeah. But dudes are totally happy to put on helmets and MVGs to do a raid and then be like, I'm broke. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, that's not living, you know? And I, I just had a conversation this weekend with one of my friends at a tier one unit. And we were talking about the things that he has coming up. And in that time, we're like, what about your finances? He's like, I want to buy a house. Cool. Let's address that too. Cause I want you to go kill people, but I want you to be able to come home to your beautiful dream home too. And he's like, yep, let's do that. So he, I'm not saying he's perfect, but He's taking that ownership, right? And he realizes he doesn't have, he's not an expert. He doesn't have the time to, for him to address it on his own. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's all about living an integrated life, right? Like you can't, and obviously for certain people in certain units, you need to compartmentalize certain things in, in a different way than the rest of us. And I get that, but by and large, like in the military, we need to get better at living integrated lives and not separating things. Well, this is how I act when I'm over here with, with, with the boys while I'm TDY or while yeah. I'm downrange or while I'm whatever. And then this is what I do at home, you know, on the personal and emotional front. And then financially too, it's like, well, I got to get all this gear. I got to do all this stuff. And I, you know, I got to buy my car and I got to buy my motorcycle, but then I'm not managing. Like we need to figure out how to, and this is true of everybody, but specifically in the military for our audiences, live an integrated life, like understand these things all work in concert with each other mm -hmm. because it is your life that you're building. All of these things contribute to it. You can't just compartmentalize them and expect one thing to go well. And that means everything else is going to go well. It doesn't work that yeah. way. And, and to your point, let's, uh, let's tie it to an entrepreneurship, right? Is that the, the more that I get into realizing on entrepreneurship is that 
the people that are truly successful are the whole package, right? Yeah. And I'll, I'll say, you know, look at Jeff Bezos, you know, uh, maybe not Jeff Bezos anymore, but let's say Elon Musk, right? Hormozy at my left. Either they have a good relationship or they work on their relationships. They are not incredibly, they're not overweight, right? And they're financially sound. And so they've integrated their spouses into their business without being in the business, right? So like Hormozy says that Leila Hormozy doesn't do, does it with him. Ed Milet, his wife doesn't do it with him, but she's involved. Same with Elon. You see his wife is always around. So there's a point that they maybe they're not making the decisions about the business. They don't know the, the, the business secrets, but they're involved. Somehow in the military, like you said, we maybe we over-compartmentalize, right? You don't need to tell your wife that you just killed people, but you need to tell her, babe, I had a hard day. Babe, I, I need you right now. Or, or uh, you know, treat them. They are our rock, right? So the more we're able to tie them in together, I think that there's a lot more strength than this, there's weakness. And I'm doing the Honor Foundation right now. A lot of guys are talking and they're like, my family doesn't know what I did the last 20 years. But then when they tell them, they you feel that they feel relaxed, that they're like, wow, they let go. And I'm just like, how much better would have this last 20 years been if your family would have been able to look at you like, Uncle Johnny is a badass. Uncle Johnny's a Green Beret. I don't know what he does, but he's a badass. Or Uncle Johnny, uh, I'm a big fan now of like ICBM dudes. Uncle Johnny is like fixing nukes i was like that is really cool so give him the respect and and let somebody look up to you right let your wife look up to you let your kids look up to you but instead we put these barriers as we're protecting them as if they couldn't just google it come on you know yeah yeah my daughter's uh three and a half and we were reading in the study this morning before school and i've got a i've got the i normally would be recording so i could point point back to it but um i've got an f-15 like a, like a CAD drawing uh, kind of thing that I got from, from somebody. Uh, and it's, it's modeled after one of the E models that I, that I loaded on when I was in the air force. And so she was asking about, she's like, what's that airplane? And I told her, I said, it's an F it's a fighter jet. She goes, Oh, is that your job? And I said, well, it was my job. And I told, you know, she said, well, what did you do? And I was like, she's three and a half. I'm like, I loaded bombs. And she's like, you put bombs on the airplane. And I was like, yeah, she goes, cool. You know, she's three and a half. She doesn't know shit, but like, but it's just like, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, where, and, and this is more true for you. You were just speaking about, about guys that are getting ready to get out. And this is more true for me. Who's been out for a decade and a half and others, others like me. It's like, you might go through these periods of time where you think about your service and oh, lots of things, right? You, you, you question things, you wonder about things, like you, you just think through it, but you kind of get to a, a point where like, you don't want to get to a point where generation that served in Vietnam just like never talked about it, mm-hmm. you know? And then it, it, so now it's just like, well, yeah. And, and even now we look at these, at these wars and and we, we have a citizenry that questions things more, which I think is amazing. And so yeah. we can, we have the tools, the cultural tools and the storytelling tools to, to, to really talk about like, yeah, no, I served in Afghanistan and here's what I thought about it. And here's what other people thought about it. And here's kind of what I did and why I did it and, and what I wrestle with or what I don't wrestle with, or whatever it might be. And just having a more open conversation about those things pulls everything together in your life um, so that you're able to really understand the foundation upon which if you served upon which you built your life. Cause at the end of the day, that, that is our service is the foundation of our professional lives. And then in some ways our, our personal lives moving forward from 18 on. And 100%. if you don't actually unpack that and really understand aspects yeah. of that, and then you're, you know, you're, you're kind of living an incomplete life. 100%. And I think that there's so much value you know, we chose to join the military, whether it's four years or 20, irrelevant. Those, that time frame is going to be incredibly joyous and painful all at once. And if you do not find a way to make that time positive, it literally eats you alive. And, and to, to everybody, like to, to your, like what you just did with your daughter, your daughter's probably going to forget that you bloated bombs. But you know what? In that second, she's like, that's cool. So that little nugget is so valuable. And again, when she gave you that affirmation, you were probably like, wow, my daughter thinks I'm cool. Yeah. And I was just loading bombs. Because yeah. you I'm I'm willing to bet you probably always downplay it. I just loaded bombs. Well, I'm just an EOD tech. Well, I'm just I'm just I'm just 
It's like, bro, let somebody give you some kudos because it is freaking cool, yeah. right? Like, I'm, I mean, I, we can look at any job and you can find a way to the, the cool about it. Like, you know, administrators. I was like, you did cool stuff. Man, go, go. I mean, look, I'll give my example of my buddy at a tier one unit. How happy would he be doing tier one stuff if all of a sudden he's like, you just got demoted and lost your pay? Yeah. He would be like, hold on. Fuck that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's equally important and you can be proud of it and, and enjoy your time in the service. Uh, I mean, with all its pains, right? Because it's, I'm never going to say that being in the military is perfect. Man, it's tough, but man, we enjoyed it. I, I have very fond memories of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My first thought was, was I definitely felt affirmed and I felt, I was like, oh man, she thinks I'm cool. And then my second thought was, I really hope she doesn't go to her preschool today and, and start talking about loading bombs. <laughs> she says, you like, bomb. Yeah. yeah. No, but, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And, 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 you know, for, for those that are listening, like, I know we got off the financial track a little bit there, but it's, it's all integrated. It's all important. That's kind of what we're saying here is that it's really important for you to understand that you live a full life and all aspects of your life inform other aspects of your life. And some of those things are going to are, you know, you're going to have priorities and priorities should shift as you move through different seasons of your life. So it's not like everything has to be at a fucking 10 all the time, but yeah. just remember that like, you're going to be going through these seasons and priorities are going to shift, but all of these things, inform each other. Um, and, and, and you need to think and, and operate as such. Um, okay. So I want to kind of, you know, wrap things up. I've got about 10 minutes left. One, one thing that I've been doing to end episodes recently, and it's been in the last like minute or so of the episode is to, to ask a question, but I want to expand it to the last 10 minutes here and maybe give you an opportunity to dive into some a little bit deeper, not too deep. Cause I want to send folks to, to your page and your services. But the question I end each podcast with is, what is on your heart and your mind for our community right now, whether it's something that you just want to get off your chest, a piece of advice or something you want to reiterate from what we've talked about here. I want to amend that slightly if you're okay with it and just talk a little bit about what are the, what are the top few things that you're seeing right now that you want veterans and service members to really understand um, about finance, like whether it's the market or whether it's that, you know, just personal trends, trends that you're seeing in personal finance within the military and kind of talk a little bit about that. And then we can end with that final question. Okay. So to the, the, the second part on, on finances, the first thing is um, the right time to start investing is right now. The right time to get life insurance was yesterday. The right time to buy a house is also right now, but you got to do it with education. So, Right now, I say it's a generic term because right now may be better to move on base and and cool your jets. Like I was texting with somebody yesterday. Right now, a lot of people are going to start moving on base. They cannot afford to find housing. So do it. But that's your opportunity to capitalize on this down market. Go start buying five bucks a week and it's going to change your life. So you got to start now. The other thing is do not... Be afraid to do, do the little tactical things. Uh, I love it when a service member asks me, why do I want to go to SoFi? It's going to be a pain. And I'm like, well, is it a bigger pain or you'd rather lose money? And they're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. So a lot you have to be willing to take this discomfort and capitalize on these downturns, right? The real estate downturn, I don't see it coming anytime soon. Uh, just because of supply and demand and increasing interest rates, why would anybody sell? And like I said in a, in a reel, the window for the assumptions is getting narrower and narrower and narrower. So you can do it with creative financing, but that, that takes a whole other skill. So since real estate may not be your option right now, stocks, crypto, gold, life insurance, all those asset classes, we need to capitalize on them. Like I buy... I think it's I buy $5 a week. No, that is it. I buy 20 bucks a week of Bitcoin every week. I don't even notice it. Just buy it. I buy $10 of gold every week. Just nickel and diamond. And what is that? That is my, if you think about it, those were what I used to drink a week. You know? yeah. I take that little sacrifice that it's not going to pay off for a while. Uh, so you have to start now. Basically with finances, start now, reach out, get some education, read some books, watch some YouTubes. Or just DM me. If you don't want to talk to me, I have plenty of people that can help people out with this whole scope of finance. 
Yeah, that's a, that's that's a, a great great high level for for people, and we'll definitely we'll link everything out, obviously, and and send folks your way and send them to resources you think they should they should look at. Um, one question I have that might that other people might be thinking of. Uh, so like, I'll just be super vulnerable with the audience right now. So I have seven thousand dollars in my TSP because I haven't done I haven't done anything with it since I got out in in two thousand ten, um, and then I have uh, like. $12,000 in a Roth that my parents, that my grand, one of my grandparents set up for me when the other one passed away. And then that's just been sitting and I haven't done anything. So I've got these two accounts. One's a retirement, one's a kind of like a Roth. I don't know what to do. I don't, like, I've talked to a couple of people who have said, oh yeah, no, you know, pay me 1%, you know, and, and I'll, you know, kind of like manage it and do it for you. I've seen you and others say, don't do that. Like, so for people who are struggling with, oh, do I manage it myself? How do I set those accounts up? Like, how do you assuage those concerns and where do you point those folks? Piece of cake. First of all, do not pay 1% unless that person has a great track record. Odds are they won't beat the market. And I always go back to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett made that bet. He bet a million dollars with a bunch of head fund managers that they could not beat the S&P 500. And they didn't. He donated that money. It's awesome. So in your situation, really easy. Uh, I would suggest go to a, a, a Roth with, a, let's say, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, but I prefer M1. M1 has two things that I like above all, them all, about all of them is that you can buy multiple fund types. So I can buy Vanguard, Charles Schwab, JP Morgan. And two, the way that they pay the dividends. When something gets a dividend, it splits it according to the pie. It doesn't just reinvest into the one you got. So in your situation, it's a very simple step. Um, Let's say that you want to stay wherever you have your Roth. Let's say you do, right? Or let's say you let's say you want to go to M1. Grab the Roth and put it in M1. Cool. Then you probably have two TSPs. Let's say worst case, you have a Roth and a traditional. You roll over the Roth into M1. Then you roll over the traditional into a um, IRA. Now you're totally out of TSP. TSP is great while you're contributing. After the fact, I don't see the benefit. Once you're out... Talk to a CPA and consider a Roth conversion. Generally speaking, I think that is a good idea, so you pay the taxes today. Now it's all in a Roth. Once in a Roth, I'm going to, this is what I'm, I'm telling you literally the framework I'm going to do. Once I have everything in my Roth IRA, I'm going to split half of it into an annuity. Because I don't want, I want to protect some of my money from market downturns. So now some of my money will never lose. The rest of my money will continue to go up and down, Right? So again, it has to be totally worth it. Uh, I've actually, I have a chart that shows the effects of 1%. Uh, I don't see the value in it. I've paid 1% for about 14 years and now I do it on my own and I'm way happier. If anything, let's say I'm not beating the market. I got peace of mind. And that to me means a lot. Yeah. Good word. Good way to, good way to wrap that up. Okay. So for the for the uh, for the the final question, what's on your heart and what's on your mind? Well, actually, before we do that, where can folks find you? We'll link everything out, obviously, on the Instagram post. But for those listening, where can folks find you? Where do you want to drive traffic? The easiest place to find me is Instagram, the Financial Enabler. Uh, I have a Reddit, but I'm not using it that much. But uh, I would start with just the Financial Enabler on Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to expand, uh, find the right other venues. Right, I have in LinkedIn. If you find me, it's just my name, Jaime Gallardo, but it's not it's not together. But uh, I'm working on that. Yeah. So Instagram, I would say, is the best place. Great. Yeah. And then obviously for those listening, you know that I'll, I'll tag on on mm -hmm. IG and, and uh, we'll collaborate on Reels and all that stuff. And I actually do post quite a bit on LinkedIn as well. So I'll, awesome. I'll find your person on LinkedIn and we'll, we'll get it going out there too. Um, okay. So to wrap things up, what's, what is on your heart? What's on your mind for our community right now? Whether it's a piece of advice, something yeah. you just want to get off your chest or something mm -hmm. you want to reiterate. So uh, from our community, I would say is – you can get wealthy and do it. Do not wait till later. And I think that uh, my, my whole vision, this is my, my mission is to change the course of service members' finances, right? What I mean by that is I want wherever you are, I want you in a better place. So if you do that, whether it's mental health, physical health, financial, you have plenty of resources from all that. And right now, thank God, we're putting a lot of, we're talking a lot about mental health. 
So take a minute, carve out maybe an hour of your week and commit to this other small spot, which is going to create a lot of peace. And if you think that uh, for anybody that would dare say it's overrated, just go back and realize how many suicide, suicides happen over money. Go find out how many divorces happen over money. So if we improve on money, now your chances of a mental health, your chances to a good relationship, and your chances for an exceptional life improve. So that's basically what I would tell absolutely everybody. Well said, brother. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time, appreciate your energy, and most of all, appreciate your vulnerability as you talk about um, things that are difficult and and um, past things that are difficult that have led led to the life you have now. And I know it's not an easy thing to do, um, so I, I just want to let you know I deeply appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It was a pleasure, and I really enjoyed this. All right, brother. We'll chat soon. Later.